Hey guys, it's Ed and I'm coming to you live from the Temporary Drug Gossip Studios here in New York City. Um, and just a word about that. Um, Will and I have decided, um, and I think I've already said this, but I feel like I need to reiterate. Um, until I get back from um, my trip in Michigan, we're just going to keep saying Temporary Studios. Um, once I get back, we should be settled into the new studio. And it should be ready um, for its close-up. <laughs> so, everything's going to be very temporary. Um, but, that's that. Um, later on in the show, we're going to have a drunk writing segment where we talk about the newest drunk gossip companion book. Unfortunately, Bill was not able to um, make it into record his segment today but he will be doing it I believe um on Thursday I just have to double check with him um so you know one of the things I just have to say is I love working with Will um yes I joke and I tease him about yelling at me about production notes and not swearing and not saying um but really like Ever since he joined as a producer, um, listens are up, people are talking about us more, and everything runs a lot smoother. And, you know, that's just the kind of work environment I like. And apparently the cast of The Good Place is in the same boat. They really love working with one another. They're really sad that the show is ending. Um, for those of you who haven't listened or haven't gotten around to um, listening to Friday's bonus episode, or Saturday's bonus episode, rather, sorry, um, Mike Schur, who created The Good Place, announced that season four will be its last because it's not a show that can go on indefinitely. Um, you know, honestly, it's amazing that it it's lasted four seasons. It wasn't always a sure thing. Um, I mean, it has an impeccable cast led by Kristen Bell and Ted Danson, who, you know, veteran sitcom star and Veronica Mars herself. <laughs> but they really crafted a, a cult show that just happened to catch on um, in a big way. And... Darcy Carden, who plays Janet on the show, is opening up about when they found out that the show was ending and how everyone's dealing with it. Um, Darcy says, It's super sad, but it also feels really right somehow. She said, she goes on to say, it feels like a breakup with someone that you're still in love with, but you know it's not forever. You're like, we can end this at a good place. I see what she did there. You see what she did there. Um, <laughs> um, she goes on to say that each and every one of us were amazed that Ted Danson didn't blow it. He told hundreds and hundreds of people about the season one spoiler and we're amazed it didn't get out there. Um, and then she finished by saying everything is very final. Chris and Bell and I are the criers of the group and everything is like it's our last first table read of the season. 
every time a director is done with an episode, it's not just like, okay, well, we will probably see you next season or whatever. It's like, goodbye forever, we will never see you again. And she concluded, I'm so in love with this group of people. They're all so fantastic and lovely to work with. You just kind of worry you'll never get uh, something as good again. And, you know, I totally get it. Um, I've had jobs where I've actually felt this way. Um, and I can only imagine what it's like working on a show where everything is so technical. You know, and there are some shows where you can improv your lines or, you know, if you flub a line or if you forget something, you can kind of ad-lib it. The Good Place is not one of those because they take philosophical dilemmas and turn them into storylines. So one flub line and the whole storyline takes on a whole new meaning. Um, no, I'm not saying that they, they didn't have improvisation or anything like that. They probably did. But they're probably, you know, they have to be very detail-oriented. They have to be very oomph about it, if you know what I'm saying. Um, and, you know, uh, and I've said this before, I'm going to say it again a million more times. I think it's good when... I think it's good when show creators and show writers and show producers know that it's time to end um, in something, like, Grey's Anatomy is going into season 200 or something like that, and it hasn't been good since season never. <laughs> I'm gonna get a lot of flack for that. So I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna take a break. I'm gonna come right back so that people have time to cool off and not hate me. And I'm back. So, one of the saddest stories of the year so far has been the death of Doris Day. Um, We've covered how she died. She was alone. We also covered how um, she, she had allegedly wanted to reconcile with her grandson Um, And then at the last minute, her business manager um, called off the meeting, claiming that it was Doris Day's uh, decision. However, um, some people are calling BS and saying um, that she was actually really looking forward to reconciling with her grandson and apologizing for shunning him after um, her son Jerry's divorce from his mother. Uh, and Ryan Melcher, who is a real estate agent in um, Carmel, California, where Doris Day also lived, said that, you know, all he wanted to do was see her and, you know, spend some time with her. And he's really sad that the, that, that didn't get to happen. Um, but one of the more interesting stories that's coming out is how Doris may have actually saved her son from the Charles Manson murders. So Mike Love wrote in his memoir, um, let me just make sure I get it right, Good Vibrations, that um, Terry was a music producer and Charles Manson had gone and um, played and pitched some songs. And 
Terry was like, no, you know, I, I don't think this is quite my style. Um, and when a friend of Doris Day's heard about what had happened and reached out to her and said, hey, your son's in danger. Um, you know, this guy runs a cult, you know, he's very sick. Um, you know, they're brandishing knives and whatever. Make sure that Terry is safe. So Doris called her son and said, hey, please move. Please leave that house. And Terry actually acquiesced and um, listened to his mother and moved. Four months after that, um, Sharon Tate was murdered in, in that very house. Um, here's what um, Love wrote in his, in his book. Terry had told Day about Manson and about some of his scary tactic antics, his brandishing of knives, his zombie followers, and that Manson had been out to the house on CeeLo, and she insisted he move out. And a lot of people credit her for saving his life. Um, you know, and, and it's almost a really weird thing that they say that his life was saved, but Sharon Tate's and her born child wasn't. Um, and we don't know, you know, if if Terry was actually the target or if um, they if the Manson family was actually targeting Sharon Tate um, and Roman Polanski. There's one school of thought, which we'll talk about this. I think I'm going to do a whole episode on the Manson murders um, as we get closer to the anniversary. Um, But there's one thought that Roman Polanski may have played a part in this. Um, But again, we'll get into that more later. Um, But Doris Day saved her son's life. And I mean, that is just a great thing overall. Um, and we know he eventually he died in 2004 um, due to complications from cancer and um, you know the, Doris Day was just one of the she seemed to be so kind and so wonderful on the outside I wonder how all this tragedy really affected her, or if we'll ever even really know. But what we do know is I'm going to go and come right back. And I'm back. So I was kind of debating what the next segment was going to be. And um, it was between doing this one or Katy Perry fighting nuns. And honestly, I think this week's deep dive is going to be Katy Perry um, just all about Katy Perry and the gossip around her, including this big storyline of her fighting nuns for a convent that she may or may not have been allowed to buy. Um, but instead, we're, right now, we're going to talk about Bradley Cooper. Now, people are already putting money down on who he's going to date next. Um, it, you know, it's really a sick thing because his relationship with Irina... It, is 
just ended. And, you know, and they're already saying, well, who are you going to date next? The one good thing I will say is, um, at least they're treating Bradley Cooper just like they do the women and trying to figure out who the next love interest is before the body's even cold. Um, but the rumor mill is already way, way, way up there and, and spinning and trying to figure everything out. And one of the people that, um, one of the ladies that Bradley may date next is Lady Gaga. Now, throughout the promotion of A Star Is Born, they really played up their friendship um, and flirted with a, a possible romantic connection. So, it wouldn't really be all that surprising if Bradley and Gaga ended up together. But, and you either have but here. I don't think that they actually make sense together. Here's why. Gaga is a, an in-demand performer. She's an Oscar-nominated actress now. And she's super successful. Now, some people will say, well, you know, that's Bradley's type. He likes his women successful. He doesn't like them more successful than her. Or than him. Which Gaga arguably is. Um, she has a, a, an Oscar, a Tony... Um, or, I'm sorry, not a Tony. She has an Oscar and a Grammy. All she needs is the Tony and the Emmy, and she's an EGOT. And let's face it, I mean, that's... That's one step away. Um, and the other thing about Gaga is she seems to run very hot and cold with guys. Um, she was really hot for um, Taylor Kitsch, but her manager boyfriend really seemed more of a nuisance to her than anything. Um, and while Bradley and Gaga definitely have the chemistry. Um, to pull off a romance. I just don't think that it's the right move for either one of them. Um, another name that's being bandied about is Anna Ferris. And as you'll hear in the last segment, um, Anna's ex-husband, Chris Pratt, married um, Catherine Schwarzenegger. And so it would only make sense that Anna would step out into a high-profile romance. And doing so with Bradley Cooper would really stick it to Chris. But again, I don't think that's going to happen. Anna's not exactly known for doing fake relationships. Um, and she seems really content in her life. Um, and just, you know doing her thing. She doesn't seem like she's actually competing with Chris Pratt. Um, Olivia Colpo was thrown about as a potential. But here's the thing. Olivia Colpo is a known beard. 
Bradley dates her, and he might as well just come screaming out of the closet. Um, she dated Aaron Rodgers and someone else, and those both both the athletes she dated were known to be gay. Um, Aaron Rodgers allegedly has his boyfriend living in his house, and that was um, the cause of the estrangement with his family. So Olivia. Um, Olivia dating Bradley would just confirm the rumors that Bradley is gay. I'm going to throw out my own little name here. If Bradley really wants to come out of the closet, instead of going the beard route, how about him and Jake Gyllenhaal just hook up? I mean, um, just imagine that hunkiness. Mm. Alright, I'm getting myself hot and bothered, so I'm going to go get me a cool drink of water, think a little bit about Bradley and Jake some more, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. So, last week we talked about how Lisa Vanderpump um, skipped out on the reunion of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and um, a lot of people believe that Bethany Frankel was an instigator in the takedown of Vanderpump. We're not going to rehash that. But I um, I did want to talk about um, the drug gossip companion books. How do we come up... Um, how do we come up with the topics and what happens after we decide? So, essentially... Um, I, I, I go with whatever story tickles me, to be honest. Um, you saw, you saw that with the Megan Kelly story. Um, you'll see it with the Wendy Williams book, um, and the Jesse Smollett. But with the Lisa Vanderpump, that was a little bit weird. I don't like reality shows. We've talked about this before. Um, I don't generally watch them. I don't generally, um talk about them but there was something about this story that kind of grabbed onto me and then I started researching it and you know there's like a rivalry with Mimi Leakes and some of these other housewives and while I don't think that um, the Lisa Vanderpump book will be extra long like the Jesse Smollett or the Wendy Williams book will be um, I do think that there's more than enough information to not only make it interesting, but to keep people on the edge of their seats. And, you know, um, as, I'm, as I start looking through more and more, I know there's going to be um, blind, um, from both blind gossip and crazy days and nights, um, that I missed or I forgot about because really the housewife stuff goes in one ear and out the other. Like, I, I read every single blind, um, but I don't retain them all. So I know that there's going to be some of that. I know that there's going to be some, um, cognitive dissonance in terms of, um...
just other stories that I, I may have missed. I want to kind of go in deeper into what started this whole thing with Dorito. <laughs> and, and you can almost hear Dave screaming at me that that's not her name. I, I think her, her actual name is Dorit, but I always call her Dorito because whenever I see her name written, it just looks like Dorito. Um, so I want to kind of get into that a little bit. I kind of want to get into how these takedowns happen. Lisa Vanderpump is not the first housewife, not the first original housewife, to be taken down. Um, it's happened to almost every OG housewife in every single city, including Bethany. Um, but... I think the difference here is um, Lisa Vanderpump fought back and she fought for her dignity in a way that the others haven't. Um, And that's kind of where I'm really intrigued. Uh, And I, you know, I've said this to Dave a million times. Even though I don't watch the show, I know enough about Lisa Vanderpump to know she doesn't need the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, she is a self-made woman. She, you know, she owns two or three restaurant bars. Um, she owns. She has the charity. She has the dog. Um, Vanderpump Dogs. Um, her husband is. I forgot what industry he's in, but I know he's very wealthy. He's super wealthy. Um. So the Real Housewives, was, for her, was always just a side gig. Something to bring in a little mad money. Which, I mean, how many people can say, Oh, I'm on TV just to make a little extra money so I can go shopping or whatever. Like, for most people, that's their actual job. That's their career. And she's just like, fuck it, I don't need it. It'll just be one less fur coat I buy. <laughs> I, and I, for the record, I'm sure Lisa Vanderpump doesn't actually buy fur coats, but, you know, I mean, it's, she, she's just one of those figures that you, you know doesn't need the reality show. The reality show needs her. Um, and I'm kind of interested, um, and I'm waiting. I haven't seen any of the lines yet about Andy Cohen being furious with her, but you know they're coming, and... And as soon as they hit, it's going to be off the hook. Um, so, what is it about this story that grabbed me? It kind of reminds me of soap operas of old. The glamorous woman. The enemies rooting for her downfall. Wanting to take her down and, and teach her that she's not better than them. And the woman rising above it all. Um, and, and you know, to be honest, the whole the whole takedown, the whole storyline was stupid to begin with. And you know it's stupid because Lisa Rinna was one of the people heading it up. Um, I, I really don't like Lisa Rinna. I think her, her lips are overprocessed and her brain is undercooked. Alright. Um, that that that's just the truth, and you know 
whenever she takes the lead in any story, whether she's acting or on the Real Housewives, you just know it's going to be terrible. That's why she's not on Days of Our Lives anymore. Because you know that bitch would still be on there if they offered her. But they didn't offer her because they don't like her. Um, but so when she, like, when she kind of took the lead in trying to take down Lisa Vanderpump, um, people are asking why she did it. Well, there's a theory, and it'll be in the book. Um, and the, I mean, the theory is kind of obvious, but it nails so much of who she, who Lisa Rinna is as a person that it's really hard to fight it. And you know what else that's hard to fight? It's time for me to take a break. So I'm going to go, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. So, one of the trademarks of Drunk Gossip and the Drunk Gossip Companion books is that I bring you all of the dirt, not just some of it. You know, someone said, oh, you know, you could have broken up uh, the Megan Kelly book into, like, two or three different um, stories and you know, made a lot of money off of it. That's not what I do. I don't like to do that. You know, if I have all the information, why not just give you all the damn information up front? You know, maybe I don't make as much money, but I earn my reputation and whatnot. So that's what we're going to do with the Catherine Schwarzenegger, Chris Pratt wedding. So buckle up, kids. This is going to be a bumpy ride. So... Um, Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris broke up in 2017. And shortly thereafter, sometime in 2018, he was dating Catherine. Not a big deal. People move on all the time. And then the relationship started to hit triple speed. Now, not Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson. Um, these two at least had the decency to do everything in six-month intervals. Um, then they got engaged. And Anna Ferris seems to be okay with it. She, on their wedding, in, or on their engagement announcement, she said, I love you both, congratulations, whatever. Um, which, you know, I don't know. I find that kind of sweet. Um, and maybe the relationship just didn't work out. Maybe they've been separated for a while before they made the... Um, break up an ultimate public. We don't know about these things. Well, uh, over the weekend on Saturday, June 7th, Chris Patton and Catherine Schwarzenegger wed. Um, Giorgio Armano designed her dress and the tux for him. And... They shared all of this um, on Instagram. And um, here's what Chris Pratt wrote. Yesterday was the best day of our lives. We became husband and wife in front of God, our families, and those we love. It was intimate, moving, and emotional. We feel so blessed to begin this new chapter in our lives. Okay, that's sweet and adorable. But. And you knew there was a but. Um, there are some rumors following him that his, um, that Hillsong Church provides him with women to cheat on Catherine with. Um, the, 
the going rumor, at least over on Crazy Days and Nights, is that his preference is women of color and usually two or three at a time. Um, now, okay, given today's scandals, that's not really that big. I mean, it's a little skeevy that the church is providing him this. Um, and it's a little weird that Catherine is allowing it, or if she even knows. Um, any lawyer can't make up his mind about that. Sometimes she knows, sometimes she doesn't. Sometimes she cares. Sometimes it's, uh, whatever. Um. But. With, with that being said, you know, we don't know what kind of relationship they have. Certainly, it could be an open relationship. It could be a polyamorous relationship. Or it could be one where... The... Where Catherine just accepts that he's going to do whatever he's going to do. Um, like an old housewife. I hope that's not the case. I hope she has more self-respect than that, but we don't know. And then there's the other bombshell report coming out of Blind Gossip. And that's the whole reason for the wedding. Is because Catherine Schwarzenegger is pregnant. I'm going to let that sit with you for a second. Alright, so here is what Blind Gossip has to say about this whole matter. They came and went before the practice even opened for the day. Her fiancé was with her, and they exited out the side door. Um, basically, leading up to this, they talk about how Chris Pratt and Catherine Schwarzenegger come in through the side door before the OBGYN's office even opened and left without being seen. Um, and here's where it starts to narrow in on what's happening. She was there for an ultrasound. Her name was still on the ultrasound panel. And they they go on to say, without getting too specific, the type of ultrasound she received is the one that women get when they are pregnant. Um, they also admit that they don't know that if Catherine Schwarzenegger is pregnant or if it was just pregnancy scare. But they also, they predict that, that we would know before the end of the summer um, and how fast these wedding plans sped up. And now we have our answer. She has, she's probably pregnant. Um, and they want to, because Chris Pratt is, his new image is good Christian man. So he doesn't want his girlfriend, he doesn't want it to, to appear as though he's having premarital sex because he thinks of himself as some sort of role model and instead of saying yes we sinned we you know this is what we did um this is what we could have done better or whatever he's trying to act as if nothing ever happened and you know it's it's a miraculous conception or they're going to try to play it off as oh you know, we just got lucky and she got pregnant right after we got married. 
And if they try to do that, I'm going to be so mad because we're all adults. You know, just be honest. I banged her. She got knocked up. We had to get married. I felt we had to get married. You know what I mean? Like, don't try to pretend that something happened that didn't. A a baby is always a miracle. No matter what. But trying to pretend that the baby was conceived after the wedding when it's very clear that it was conceived beforehand and people can do math so I don't understand what you're going to do then but what I'm going to do is just send out my congratulations to the happy couple may they have a long happy life together even if they're trying to build it on a lie (laughs) that's going to do it for me for today thank you all so much as always for listening and until next time cheers